You are Locked On Cougars. Welcome in to a Friday edition of the podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Plenty to get to ahead on this week-ending edition of the show. BYU football offers going out in the recruiting front. We'll talk about the new offers that were extended over the past 24 hours or so. We'll also recap BYU men's basketball and their win over San Diego. What to take away from that game besides Alex Barcelo making a classic gesture of scoreboard to USD. We'll also preview the game against Portland, as well as a full weekend of BYU sports as well. So we got a lot to cover and a lot, a lot of time to get to it all. So let's waste no more time and dive on in. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for January 21st, 2022. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, my friends? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. And a huge thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Hope you all are doing great on this Friday. Please make sure you share this podcast with your family and friends. Word of mouth is the biggest way and probably the most effective way this podcast can grow. Obviously, leaving us rating and reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts, are a big part of that as well. And thank you just overall. A big thank you from me for all your guys' support. Uh, we're going to talk BYU basketball here to start off today's show. And uh, to Big Uncle Pooh, uh, let's see who else messaged me about this last night. I believe our good friend Zach Hicken did it, Kelsey Gardner, Joe Wheat. All y'all are hilarious. Seneca Knight, by the way, had a monster performance last night for BYU in their 79-71 win over San Diego. Scored a career, not a career high, a BYU high 14 points for him, not his career high. He's played at other universities and had bigger nights, but his uh, high at BYU was a 14-point night he enjoyed last night. Looked very effective, had a very nice stop-and-pop three that shook the defender late in that game that was absolutely marvelous. And I love when I eat crow about guys. As I said on a podcast uh, earlier this week, the Monday edition of the show, I said that I'm kind of out on what he is bringing to the BYU basketball program. And I said I would love nothing more than for him to go out and prove me wrong. What does he do in the very next game after I make those complaints? Well, he makes me eat my words. And I'm hopeful that I'm going to continue to eat those words for the foreseeable future. The overall takeaway from this game I felt felt like for BYU last night was that San Diego came in really intent on intimidating BYU. They were overly physical, legitimately flexing in guys' faces. Uh, they had an Eastern European dude who's as skinny as a rail was flexing on guys after Caleb Lohner got a flop warning. I just... The, the, the antics that San Diego was showing last night were... A little over the top. But nonetheless, I thought BYU showed their toughness because BYU just came off a three-game gauntlet, as we've already talked about, against St. Mary's, Gonzaga, and USF. And there was inevitably going to be a little bit of a letdown factor in this game. Ended up being tied 31-all at the end of the first half. And I felt like, okay, the second half of this game against San Diego is going to tell us a lot about this team, especially with how physical uh, USD preferred to be. I felt like BYU refused to back down. They actually flexed their own muscle in a way. And in some cases, and like I said, Tiki Ali Atiki's 
case, you decided to get overly over the top. Uh, I felt like a tiki. He took exception to uh, some contact and went to the ground. He kind of bowled the guy over, and then the guy gets up and kind of has a look at him. And a tiki probably saw a little bit of red there and goes and makes contact above the shoulders. Anytime in the sport of basketball in this day and age, if you con- make contact with a guy's head, no matter if it's closed fisted punch, which is the most egregious, or you just uh, make a shove and it hits a guy above the shoulders, you more than likely are going to get ejected. And that was unfortunate for Atiki Ali Atiki because I thought he took another step in last night's game. But the physicality, I just think that BYU refused to back down against a team that really seemed intense. And okay, let's see if we can go in there and intimidate them. The nice part was guys like Alex Barcelo refused to back down. Him pointing to the scoreboard as he went to the free throw line last night in the waning seconds of that game. And I went back and rewatched and tried to read his lips. I'm by no means a professional lip reader, but it seemed like to me he pointed at the scoreboard while a guy was talking trash to him. He said, what I thought was, you see that, and he's pointing at the scoreboard to be like, dude, shut your yapper. You're losing this game. We're going to win. That was classic. I loved it. The other thing about this is Alex Barcelo has been taking a lot of dings and dents. He's been just getting absolutely hammered in West Coast Conference play so far. He gets knocked off balance last night, regains his balance. Live ball action. He has the ball in his hands. It is in the middle of the game. He turns around, holds the ball, and stares down the referee who's standing right behind him. I don't know how much more clear of a message you can send as a player than to stop mid-game, turn around, look at the guy, speaking of the official, and essentially say, are you kidding me here, sir? I, it was fantastic. The good news is BYU gets the win. They're 16-4 and four on the season. They're now 4-1 and one in the West Coast Conference, and now they get ready for a date against Portland tomorrow night. Now, Portland... Off to a little bit of a surprising start this year. They're 10-8. and eight. This was the worst team, and I mean the worst team in the West Coast Conference for the last three or four years. They have been the dregs of the conference, and they're off to a surprising start this season, sitting above 500. Do I expect BYU to struggle with them? I do not. I think BYU is going up against what is, I think, a little bit of a paper tiger. Portland has really fattened their record on a lot of quad three and quad four type games all season long. They've been up and down all year long, and this is very much a program that's very much in flux. Their statistics, though, if you look at Portland's statistics, they have four guys averaging double digits, two guys over 14 points per game. Chris Austin is leading the Pilots with 14.7 points per game. Moses Wood averaging 14.2 points per game. Both of them averaging over five rebounds. In Wood's case, 6.1 rebounds. Tyler Robertson averaging 13.9 points per game and 6.4 four rebounds, and then Mike Meadows, 11 points per game. So they have some offensive prowess, but I think BYU coming out of this now four-game stretch where they have been hit, run over, they have been just absolutely battered in so many different ways. They've seen so many different styles of basketball. They've had the intimidator factor try to be thrown at them in the case of USD last night. I just think BYU is in a good spot here, and they should take care of business against Portland tomorrow night. Now, let me also acknowledge here, we are not going to give away tickets uh, to tomorrow night's game. And let me explain for a moment. I had uh, tickets, obviously, that were giving away to the USD game last night. And we uh, had a little bit of a snafu with my account at BYUtickets.com. Apparently, a bot or something tried to access my account too many times without my knowledge. And I went to go in and try and get those tickets transferred over to our good friend, Nate, who actually answered the questions correctly. Well, by the time the thing... uh, 
opened up and I was able to transfer those tickets, it was already, I think, right at or just after tip-off. So, in the spirit of making sure all is fair, I offered Nate the tickets to Portland tomorrow night to make up for the snafu. So, Nate, go enjoy that game at the Marriott Center, 7 o'clock, BYU and Portland squaring off. The game will be televised on BYU TV. So, Looking forward to this matchup. Uh, some of you saying that I am the responsible one for uh, the the breakout of Seneca Knight, and uh, I think it was our good friend who who I don't remember who put this out there. I said, "Hey, Jake, can you do this for Caleb Loner?" Okay, Caleb Loner. I thought he showed some really good things in the last two games against USF in particular. Also, I thought some good things against Gonzaga. Not so good of a night for him against USD. I thought it was a little bit of a two steps forward, one step back in essence for Caleb Lohner. He finished with just two points and five rebounds. One of seven shooting, but I am an admir. Admi- what am I trying to say? I'm admiring the fact that he's actually looking for his shot now. There has been a long stretch of this season where Caleb Lohner did not even look at the basket. It felt like he refused to even believe in himself offensively. He is starting to buy into that. So if I need to call him out and say continue to be aggressive, Caleb, I will do that. And hopefully my bad or good juju, how you perceive it, can wear off on it. I don't proclaim to take any type of credit for Seneca Knight's breakout. Like I said, I I was sincerely hoping he would prove me wrong. I don't know if he heard my podcast. I have no indication. I have no sources that told me that he heard me call him out. But nonetheless, I love when young men go out there and prove me wrong. So looking forward to another game tomorrow night. BYU and the Portland Pilots, 7 o'clock. BYU TV tomorrow evening if you're looking for it on your television set. It's a big opportunity for BYU, I think, to continue to establish themselves here in the West Coast Conference. They have come through an absolute gauntlet, as I mentioned, the last four games or so, and you have an opportunity as you uh, get get after, after this game against Portland, you go back out on the road to Northern California. You're at Santa Clara next Thursday, followed with a game at Pacific, and well, the Pacific is very intent and happy to play that intimidator-type game. I think the good news is BYU, the basketball program, continues to show that they have a lot of mojo. They've got a lot of I don't know what you, how you want to call it. They're like gumption. They got a lot of you, <clears throat> down south that is going to let them just really, I think, show what they can do. They refused to let teams come in and punk them. That is an admirable quality of a basketball program. I love the fight, the grit, the tenacity that they show. I know I'm using all kinds of buzzwords here, but they all apply. And that's the good news for this team. They are on their way to the NCAA tournament. So long as they don't stumble against the likes of Portland. Uh, next week, it's Santa Clara, Pacific. You can't stumble against those teams. Stumbling against Gonzaga, understandable. They're not the number one team in the country. We all know that. But you have to avoid the pitfalls of the rest of the West Coast Conference. But so long as you do that, it is going to be smooth sailing ahead as you head towards March Madness and going to be a lot of fun. I'm really starting to enjoy this team for what it is. As I've mentioned previously, and I'll say it once again, it's not a pretty style of basketball a lot, but at the same time, it's winning basketball. 16-4, and you cannot argue with that if you're a BYU basketball fan. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll flip over to the gridiron, talk some BYU football. It's Cruton season, Cruton season, if you want to call it that. We're talking about offers being thrown around by BYU coaches out there on the recruiting trail. I think some intriguing prospects as well. We'll touch on all of those here momentarily. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at NetSuite. My friends, this is the scenario, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship 
ownership is yours, but on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated financial software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of all of your financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. And 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And for the new year, NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash locked. Head to netsuite.com slash locked for the special one-of-a-kind financing offer on the number one financial system for growing businesses. Once again, that's netsuite.com slash locked. Thanks again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk some BYU football, and in particular, Cruton. It is Cruton season, National Signing Day upcoming in early February, and BYU coaches have fanned out across the country, and offers are still going out. Very interesting here because BYU, we've talked about this in the past on the podcast, is still under a little bit of a scholarship crunch with regards to balancing both returning missionaries as well as adding talent to their base. The good news is it appears BYU either has found some spots that they have not filled previously or they expect some movement, I guess, in terms of their roster size, etc., that are going to allow them to sign some players, at least on paper it appears that way. Let's talk about some of the offers that have gone out in the past day or so. Let's start off in the JUCO ranks. There's an offer extended by Gennaro Guilford to 2022 JUCO defensive back Roman Rashada. He is a defensive back out of Diablo Valley College in Southern California. Very interesting player here because it seems like he's a guy who could come in and challenge for time at either safety or cornerback. I do like how BYU's kind of gone about their recruiting for the defensive backfield in recent years where they essentially go out there and they recruit true defensive backs, guys who are capable of playing both positions, whether it's a cornerback or a safety. They bring them in, put them into their system, and then make the determination of where they actually think they fit best. For example, look at what happened with Jacob Robinson. He comes in as a transfer from Utah State this past season, starts playing that nickelback spot, and didn't look too bad at that spot, in all honesty, but then they moved him to safety after some injury concerns, and he pretty much flourished in that spot. I still think that Jacob Robinson is a little skinny to be playing safety long term for BYU but if he bulks up puts on the adequate weight they have found a great home for him at safety and I really think that's a great spot for him that's what I think they're doing with a guy like Roman Rashad I I can't be certain about that but it sure appears that way because if you watch his film he's playing all over the field at the Juco level so I think this is actually a surprising offer because BYU doesn't typically go to the junior college ranks, at least in recent memory, uh, for guys. But Roman reports a 4.48 40-yard dash. Also holds a competing offer from the University of Washington. Yes, the Washington Huskies from the Pac-12 have offered Roman Rashada. So be an interesting battle to see if they can lure him away from an immediate Power 5 job with the promise of you will be in the Power 5 next year if you come to BYU. We'll see what happens. An interesting offer there. Now, the next offer I want to talk about also sticks in the defensive backfield, and it's the most recent offer based on what I understand as of recording. Obviously, offers, I think, will continue to go out, but BYU offered Corbin Green last night. He is from Owasso 
Oklahoma and goes to Owasso High School. Uh, BYU doesn't typically recruit this area of the country, but I think it's going to be a more important part of the country for them to recruit as they move into the Big 12. You've got to make some inroads in the Midwest because guess what? Where are most of the Big 12 schools located? Oh, wait, the Midwest. Yes. So I think this is actually a somewhat surprising move, but also a smart move on BYU's part. He's a solidly three-star prospect according to 24-7 Sports. He's the 144th ranked cornerback in the country, the 29th ranked athlete out of the state of Oklahoma. A nice-sized cornerback, six foot, 173 pounds. If he plays cornerback, that's great size, and that kind of fits in the mold of what BYU wants from their cornerbacks. They want those tall, rangy athletes who can really run, but also still have the adequate size to defend bigger receivers. And it sure seems like Corbin Green fits that bill. We'll see what happens. I think this is an interesting offer because BYU, it sure looks like, has some interest in at least beefing up their defensive backfield, at least with two of these offers going to defensive backs slash cornerbacks in both Corbin Green as well as Roman Rashada. Now, the next offer we're going to talk about here is a name that should be familiar to BYU fans. That's the name of Carson 2J. Yes, 2J, the same uh, Garrett 2J, who's BYU's offensive line coach once upon a time, went with Bronco Mendenhall to Virginia as the O-line coach out there for the Cavaliers. He has remained as the O-line coach under new head coach Tony Elliott there in Charlottesville. He's actually the only a former Bronco Mendenhall assistant who traveled from or went with Bronco from BYU to Charlottesville, who's retained on Tony Elliott's staff. But his son Carson 2J is kind of a do-everything athlete. He lists himself as a 2022 linebacker, defensive end, and tight end, six foot four, 225 pounds, three-star prospect out of West Aber. Abel Marley, well, I don't know, Abel Marl High School there in Virginia. And I watched his film yesterday, and I didn't know that Carson was this old. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of funny. When guys leave a program that you've paid attention to as closely as I do with BYU, I can remember Cutter, Raider, and Breaker, Bronco Mendenhall's sons, being just little tiny tykes when they were running around the BYU football offices. And now two of them are on missions right now. One of them is playing football. It's, it's stunning to me how quickly these young men have grown up. And Carson 2J is kind of in that mold. Like I said, a do-everything athlete. I think he's a guy if BYU does land him. And I, I wouldn't surprise me if he picked the Cougars because he's familiar with the BYU football program. They were If they were to bring him in and really try him out at both tight end slash defensive end or linebacker just to find the right fit for him. He's played all those positions at the high school level. He's got familiarity with all of them. The biggest thing is, and I, Kalani Satake is great about this with his program, he is all about making sure guys have the right fit for them personally whether even if it's not in his program if they need to go elsewhere to get the right experience for themselves etc in football he's not afraid to let them go experience that i think carson 2j he is the perfect type of guy to bring in try him out at various positions find the right home for him and hopefully he flourishes in that spot now a couple more offers here dom henry is the other 2022 prospect all these prospects we've talked about so far would be part of this current recruiting class. We're talking about guys who would it be expected either to enroll this fall or in the case of like Carson 2J who's a member of the church, he would likely go on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints potentially. The last one of the 2022 class we'll talk about today is Dom Henry and this one's an intriguing one to me. BYU is going all the way to Pontevedra Beach, Florida to Nice High School to recruit Dom Henry. Uh, he has had interest from Army and Air Force. He recently uh, went to West Point to visit the Army uh, 
the Army campus up there, the Utah, not Utah, the United States Military Academy in West Point, New York. He's going to visit Air Force this weekend out here in the West, but BYU coming in with a late offer, and according to the crystal ball on 24-7 Sports, BYU is the favorite, according to two predictions, uh, to pick the Cougars. He is expected, according to the report from 24-7 Sports, from Andrew Ivins, I believe, wrote the story. He's based down there in Florida. That Dom Henry is expected to visit BYU two weekends from now, so the final week weekend of official visits ahead of signing day and he's coming to check out BYU. Interesting part about Dom Henry is he's got some really Cody Epps type vibes to him. Let me explain that. Cody Epps was an absolute stud from modern day high school playing with Bryce Young down there in Southern California. Well, he was a little undersized. Epps is listed at 5 foot 10, like 180 pounds and did not get a ton of attention on the recruiting front despite catching over I think 100 passes for like 2,000 yards his senior year at modern day high school. Well, Dom Henry can competes at the 7A level in Florida. Yes, they have seven different levels of football in Florida. I think she's going to go up to 8A now something like that, but he actually led the state of Florida in receiving this past year. He's not gotten a lot of attention on the recruiting front, and I think part of it is due to his size. He's listed at 5'10 and a half, 170 pounds. He shows a pretty good burst. Maybe he doesn't have the top-end speed that uh, recruiters want from him, but when you go out and lead a football hotbed like the state of Florida in receiving... Well, you may want to give that guy a chance to show what he can do at the collegiate level, and BYU may be finding themselves with a guy who's got a chip on his shoulder, but also a guy who's been ultra-productive at the high school level. Uh, Reading up on him, his high school program was not super good his first two years of high school football as a starter. Really turned it around this year as they went to the playoffs, and his head coach uh, really credits this young man, speaking of Dom Henry, as being a big part of helping thing turn helping turn things around at Nice High School. He's an 85 uh, on the 24/7 uh, Sports rating, so that's a very much solid three-star prospect. Uh, better ratings than a guy like Corbin Green. This could be an interesting pickup, folks. As I said, it's got some Cody Epps types vibes, and I know that Cody Epps has not been able to show what he's capable of in a BYU uniform yet. He's had some lingering injury concerns, but if a guy like Dom Henry comes in and proves that he's capable of playing, what a steal that is for BYU. And oh, by the way, that's yet another recruiting ground that BYU may be opening up, because guess what? UCF is going to be in the Big 12. BYU needs to make inroads in these new markets where they will be playing games, and getting a head start on that in this recruiting class absolutely brilliant, even if it might be by accident in some cases. Because I was reading up on this, Kyle Griffiths uh, played at, uh, what was it? It was, uh, I think, West Orange High School or something like that down there in Florida. Winter Haven, Florida is where he's from. His high school coach apparently knows Dom Henry or coached him. They were talking at a football convention. Uh, He told Kyle Griffiths, who's now a graduate assistant with BYU, about Dom Henry. BYU looks at his film and says, we need to go check out this kid. We We need to offer him. That is really, really cool. And if it pays off, BYU may have gotten an absolute steal out of the state of Florida and by happenstance, really. It's just a really, really cool story. Now, the final offer out here is one that's off into the future, but it's one that I am intrigued by, and that is going to 2025 prospect. Yes, this kid is a freshman, but they have offered San Juan Hills prospect Weston Port. Uh, Weston is an outside linebacker slash defensive end prospect and is a freshman, six Six foot two, two hundred and ten pounds, competing down there in Southern California. Uh, Weston is a young buck, but he's got all the size. He's really showing something. You look at his film. This is a kid that can play ball. So I'm actually not surprised BYU is offering this young man. It sounds like he's got some strong connections 
connections to the BYU football program via his family. So that is yet another another offer, but that one's way off in the distance. You can think of Easton Baker out at Stansbury High School here locally in the state of Utah. BYU offered him as a ninth grader. He committed. He's still, I think, two years away from even signing the BYU. But BYU, when they find talent, they're not afraid to pull the trigger early and make sure these young men know that they are loved. So I think some good things happening for BYU on the recruiting front, and hopefully it pays off in the form of them finding some so-called diamonds in the rough, polishing those diamonds up, and making them into stars on the field. That is one of the really key points of BYU under Kalani Sitake, is they bring in maybe underutilized or under-recruited talent. They make them into absolute stars. You can recruit four- and five-star talent. There's no doubt that doing that is going to benefit you in the long run. There is very much a correlation between the number of four- and five-star talent you have and the national success you will have in football. But if there is a better staff, in my opinion, at developing talent outside of Kalani Sitake and the guys he's got in Provo, I have yet to see it. BYU is doing some absolutely incredible things in terms of just overall player development inside that program. They bring in two- and three-star talents and turn them into four- and five-star production guys on the field. That is a marvelous thing. And some of these guys that BYU offered the last 24 hours, they very much may be that next crop of talent that BYU brings in, develops, and suddenly, in the case of a guy like Dom Henry, he's a 1,000-yard receiver at BYU, and who would have ever guessed it? And they stole him right out of the backyard of Florida. There are seven Division I programs in the state of Florida that probably could use a guy like that if he pans out the way the BYU envisions he will pan out. It's what you do. You steal that talent, you develop it, and hopefully it pays off down the road. All right, so there you go. Update on BYU football recruiting. Obviously, expecting this weekend, based on everything I'm hearing, that Jackson Dart will make his decision. Maybe he pushes it off a little bit longer, but we will have that covered for you top to bottom. I hope you guys saw the pictures from this past weekend. His younger brother, Diesel Dart, uh, they were on campus taking pictures together at BYU. So... BYU put their best foot forward with regards to the Jackson Dart sweepstakes. Will they win those sweepstakes? Only time will tell. I I still... Man... (laughs) My gut tells me that BYU's got a chance, but my brain tells me he's going to Ole Miss or Oklahoma. Hopefully that makes sense, but we'll see. And if he picks BYU, what a massive recruiting win that would be. You got one over on two SEC programs, two of the blue bloods of the sport out there in the recruiting range. You beat the Lane Train, Lane Kiffin. You also beat a guy like um, uh, Brett Venables, who is a very renowned recruiter, both at Clemson and now the head coach of Oklahoma. You beat those two staffs to get Jackson Dart and bring him home to Utah, that would be an absolute coup in the recruiting ranks, and you can crow about it all you want. It'd be just yet another feather in the cap of BYU's recruiting efforts under Kalani Satake. Good things are happening right now for BYU football folks. When you win 21 games in two seasons, guess what? Young men sit up and say, ooh, that program's pretty good. Maybe I want to check them out. They do. They really do pay attention. Winning cures a lot of different ills out there in the football world. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we have gone really long so far on today's show, but we've still got plenty to talk about. We need to talk about the weekend ahead in BYU sports, where the other teams that you might want to watch are in action this weekend, as well as some quick notes on the NCAA Constitutional Convention that took place yesterday. A pretty pivotal vote also took place yesterday that might affect the future for BYU as a member of the Big 12 and beyond. 
Beyond. We'll examine all of that momentarily. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends at Bet Online. They would like to wish you guys a happy new betting year as they continue their march in the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online reigns the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a brand new year, and Bet Online has a brand new updated des- desktop and mobile website at betonline.ag that you can sign up for free at today. And also make sure you receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. Once again, a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit using the promo code Locked On. From football to basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available from our friends at Bet Online, as they are the fastest and the easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Once again, that's promo code Locked On at BetOnline.ag for that welcome bonus. It's all courtesy of your friends over at Bet Online, where the game starts. Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends, one of our great local sponsors, and our friends over at Intercap Lending. And there's a reason that no lender helps more families in the state of Utah with their mortgage needs than our friends at Intercap. And simply put, Intercap, they get deals done, my friends. They feature a quick and simple process. Intercap closes loans two weeks faster than the industry average. And right now, obviously, with a lot of rumors out there involving with inflation and rising rates with regards to mortgage rates, now is the time to get a move on if you're looking at refinancing buying a new home, no matter what you're trying to do. Intercap wants to help you guys out with that. And the best part is, although they are fast and fast is great, the ultimate goal is to create a stress-free home loan process for you, the consumer. And that's what Intercap is all about. And that's what Locked On's personal loan officer, Intercap Lending, Steve Carter, has delivered to hundreds of Locked On listeners so far, including Locked On founder, yeah, the podfather himself, David Locke. Intercap is new to the Locked On Cougars podcast relatively, but it's not a new company. They've been assisting customers with all of their mortgage needs since 1978. That's 44 years of experience. And Steve Carter is providing Locked On listeners with that same great experience since 2018. Intercap is headquartered in Utah, but capable of servicing anybody up and down the United States in more than 40 states. They're licensed to help with your mortgage needs. So if you have a need, if you even don't live here locally, they'd be happy to help you guys out. You can reach out to Steve with any questions. Give him a call at his direct line. Yes, a direct line to Steve Carter, 385 800 8528. That's 385-800-8528. You will not find a more responsive loan officer than Steve. I can promise you that. Also, if you want to learn more, you want to go online, visit intercaplending.com to learn more. Now, that's Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. Intercap Lending is an equal housing lender. You know, it's been a busy show and there's a lot going on when I completely forgot about scheduling news for BYU football. Yeah, I I forgot that. 2024, BYU has reportedly contracted a game to open the season against Nevada at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It'll be a one-off game as the Wolfpack come to Provo. BYU ostensibly will be members of the Big 12 at that point. And this was a game that BYU scheduled after announcing they were going to the Big 12. I saw this report from uh, Nevada News Now or Nevada Sports.com something like that out there in Reno. They got the contract via an open records request, and this game was contracted in November this past year. So that's after, two months after BYU announced they're going to the Big 12. BYU already has nine games contracted for 2024. They are going to have at least one of those games playing against a new opponent in Nevada. You're going to have to cancel, what, eight of those games and really open things up? Because as 
we've heard the Big 12 is planning on playing with a nine-game conference schedule, at least for the time being, and that's going to only make for three non-conference games. A little bit of a curious move uh, for BYU to do this. The financial obligation for them is only $100,000 for Nevada to come to Lavelle Edwards Stadium to play that game. The buyout for it is $1 million. It's pretty par for the course with regards to how contracts are contracted now in college football, but maybe a little bit of an interesting note there to think that Tom Homo, he has all of these games on these future schedules out into the 2030s. If you guys really want to look at it, go to fbschedules.com, look at BYU. You can look at all the games that BYU is going to have to work around with regards to the contracts they had as an independent and now obviously trying to fold those in or completely do away with them as they enter Big 12 play beginning in 2023. I just found it a little bit curious that they're contracting a game against Nevada when they have all these other games on the schedule. Maybe they have canceled a lot more of them than we should expect. Maybe I should do a little more digging on open records requests. I might have to get with Matt Brown over there at Extra Points and have him teach me how to make those requests and see what I can dig up. But seems like an interesting move all the same for BYU. But hey, Nevada's a regional opponent. Uh, BYU has had some very interesting games against them of late. I believe I, actually BYU's lost, what, three of the last four in the series against the Wolfpack? Uh, so obviously have been some interesting contests between these two programs. And there's also been some... Uh, how do I say it? Uh, dirty plays uh, taken out on certain guys. I can remember. I will never forget Romney Funga's knee getting taken out from behind by that offensive lineman from Nevada all those years ago. Just, oof, yeah, some some nasty stuff. But nonetheless, it looks like 2024 BYU and Nevada will open the season at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And uh, as I mentioned, it's been a busy show when I completely forgot to talk about that earlier on. I should show you everything that's going on right now. But nonetheless, it's a blast to be talking BYU sports. Other things you need to get to before we get out of here include a look at the weekend ahead. Uh, the men's and women's track and field teams continue their action to the Air Force Invitational out there in Colorado Springs in the US, United States Air Force Academy. Uh, men's basketball will be back in action tomorrow night, as we mentioned, against Portland at the Marriott Center, 7 o'clock on BYU TV if you want to watch the men's team in action. The women's team is in San Diego to take on the Toreros tomorrow afternoon, 2 o'clock Mountain Time. I believe there will be a live stream on the WCC network. You can go to BYUcougars.com and get a link to that. BYU men's volleyball is back in action tonight after a weekend off last weekend. They are taking on UC Irvine, one of their former nemeses in national title games. The Anteaters come to Provo for BYU's home open tonight, 7 o'clock Mountain Time on BYU TV. The two te- same two teams will square off again tomorrow night. It'll be a two-game set between the Anteaters and the Cougars. Hopefully, BYU has a better showing than they showed against Penn State in their season opener two weekends ago. Women's Gymnastics is on the road tonight in a dual meet against Southern Utah in Cedar City at the America First Event Center. That will be televised live on ESPN+. Plus. I guess not televised. It'll be streaming live on ESPN+. Plus. You can get it on your smart TVs. I guess you can call it televised in that case. Men's tennis also in action tomorrow, opening up their season. Actually, not opening their season, their second meet of the season, taking on Weber State up in Ogden at the Edmond Tennis Courts. Uh, you can find out more about that at BYUcougars.com. That is scheduled to begin at 2 o'clock. The women's tennis team is in Seattle, Washington, to take on the Washington Huskies. That is scheduled for 5 o'clock tomorrow evening on Saturday evening. Uh, get to BYUcougars.com for more information on that. And then an early look ahead 
to Monday. Men's golf opens their spring season. Yes, I know spring season sounds weird when it's still January, but they are playing in the Arizona Intercollegiate. That starts Monday morning, bright and early at 9 o'clock Mountain Time. Bruce Brockpink and his squad and new assistant coach Daniel Summerhays should be along for the ride as they open their spring season, hoping to have a good spring and obviously qualify for the NCAA Regionals and NCAA Tournament this year. Bruce Brockpink has got a very, very good squad. It's a young squad also, but looking forward to that. So we'll see what happens. And also, uh, we will make sure you guys have a full recap of this coming up on Monday's edition of the show. Now, one other quick note before we go here, and we're going to dig more into this next week. I'm actually going to see if I can get Matt Brown to talk with me about this because he's been out there in Indianapolis. The NCAA uh, convention is going on in Indianapolis, Indiana. And this is the big convention where all of the power brokers, ADs, conference commissioners, they get together and they vote on really important things. And the biggest thing was is they have adopted a brand new constitution and in essence it is allowing each division of the NCAA, Division 1, Division 2 and Division 3 to operate as separate entities and make sure that they can actually have the ability to revamp their rules at their respective levels to fit their member institutions within those divisions. This is a really, really sweeping change. 80% of the vote it was in favor of this. So I am interested to see how it affects BYU. The biggest thing I think for BYU is they are going to be on the inside of the Power Five. We all know this. 2023, they're expected to enter the Big 12 Conference. That is going to be very big for BYU because there are early indications that there is a working group uh, that is going to try and determine what Division One is going to do with regards to giving more autonomy, and that's more decision-making power, to the Power Conferences. That is what BYU has been striving for, to be inside that exclusive club. They're inside of it. And now with this change where it's going to allow Division I to really kind of separate itself, figure out what it wants to do, and maybe inside Division I you create another subdivision. Maybe you have Power 5, FBS with regards to the group of five. You have FCS, which is also Division I. Maybe you have three separate divisions at some point down the road. doesn't necessarily seem like that's the immediate indication that it's going to happen, but it could be on the table. The good news is if you're a BYU fan, the Cougars are going to be in that upper echelon. They are part of it now. That is a good sign for the future of BYU athletics, no matter what might be coming down the pipe with regards to it. But I thought it was a pretty significant change, and I'll try and do some more reading up on it over the weekend and sound more informed about it. We'll talk about it next week. I also still have been holding on to an interview with Houston Haymuley that we've been meaning to play all week long, so stay tuned for that next week as well. So we got plenty to talk about over the weekend. We'll probably do a postcast edition of the Portland game tomorrow night. If Jackson Dart commits to BYU and maybe if it commits elsewhere, might even do a special edition talking about that. So stay tuned all weekend long. We'll have plenty for you guys and also we'll recap everything that happened from the weekend on Monday as well. So a big thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. want to encourage you guys now to make your second listen. Our friends over at Locked On Big 12. I am privileged enough to be part of the Locked On Big 12 roundtable each week. I've been posting the most recent episodes each week as a bonus edition right here on this podcast feed. Well, you can get daily coverage from Josh Neighbors on the Big 12 Conference by downloading it free and available wherever you get your podcasts just like this one. All right, so that is going to do it. A very busy show, a little longer than normal, but I hope you guys enjoyed it all the same and hope you guys are all doing great wherever you might be out there in Cougar Nation on this Friday. Have a good one and we will reconvene soon. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for January 21st, 2022.